As you've been hearing in the news and as we've been talking about, more than 7,000 workers from the International Longshore and Warehouse Union in BC are back on strike. That's despite the fact that we all thought a tentative deal had been reached last week. Well, that deal was rejected by the internal caucus of the union without putting it to a vote of the membership. But what it means is that picket lines are back up. And once again, ports will get backed up, which will affect people and businesses right across the country. Now, the workers say, or the union says, that they don't feel this was a deal that their workers would benefit from, that there wasn't enough job security, that they feel this is an opportunity for them to get that job security for years to come. And they didn't see it in this deal. But it also leaves, you know, the federal government frustrated, the provincial government frustrated, businesses frustrated, lots of calls for them to step in now. So I wanted to talk about the history of this too. Is this is this usually what happens with a port strike? How contentious is this? And what are the next steps that could happen here? Well, Dr. Rafael Gomez is with us, a professor of employment relations and director of the Center for Industrial Relations and Human Resources at the University of Toronto. Dr. Gomez, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So when you look at this port strike, does it look like other port strikes that we have had? Well, uh, the history of, yeah, the ports are a critical piece of national infrastructure. They've also historically been uh, one of the first uh, sectors to be unionized and kind of effectively unionized. By that, I mean the kind of uh, union power and strength in that particular sector has been pretty strong in part because of the nature of the work. Most of the people doing the work identify uh, with each other in a like-minded way, which means collective bargaining kind of works well in that scenario, right? Where, you know, you have a collective agreement, it sort of fits the majority of the workers and the majority of workers identify with each other. So there's a strong degree of solidarity. So it doesn't, that does actually often lead to deals getting made, usually at the last hour, because of that strength and power, that kind of union, the employer uh, tends to know that they can only push so far. And if they want a deal, they usually strike the deal, usually at the end of a process or after a short strike. When strikes get long and lengthy, the history has been that these have uh, prompted interventions, right? Because it's such a critical piece of infrastructure. Our nation depends on these ports, um, both economically, but, you know, in a prolonged strike, it also begins to affect very important matters of, uh, of health and critical safety and security, right? When key pieces of, of goods don't come to shore. So that's the history. It's a, it's an interesting one from a labor history standpoint, but when you live in the moment, it's also quite scary. Right, which is kind of what we see happening right now because we thought, well, wait a minute, everybody thought we were moving right. forward. So what, what are the tools here that are available uh, to, to change this scenario? Yeah. So, you know, historically, there's the blunt instrument of forcing the workers back, um, uh, kind of imposing a deal. That has worked in the short term, but tends to backfire in the long term. Both for the employer and the government, there's been a successive series of cases that have gone all the way to the Supreme Court that have said that taking away the right to strike in a kind of arbitrary way is uh, not on, right? It's a sort of violation of our charter rights of freedom of association. And, and those court cases happened in the 2000s and have sort of overturned earlier cases that happened in the 80s and 90s. So, yes, in the short term, they, you know, we could get the ports back up and running, but, you know, to what degree would workers be motivated? Could they 
slow down work, in which case you're not really getting the outcome you want. And in the end, you get a, a deal that might be imposed in the short run that's then overturned later and is more generous even you know, to the workers. What I find that's useful in these cases, if it does lead to sort of a very prolonged lockout, and, and in this case, this is a very essential kind of service for the not just PC economy, but for the whole national economy, we have a very mature and well-established system of arbitration in Canada. We've got some of the best arbitrators in the world. We set up the system. And what that is, it's sort of a third party that comes in and listens to both sides and makes a ruling, right? A kind of a, a way of finding a deal, uh, yeah. often sometimes even with mediation kind of built into the arbitration, right? Um, so that, that's a system that is really well-developed and works. And I'm surprised that more uh, often than not, it's, it's not, not being used. It's used a lot, of course, but usually voluntarily by both sides, but can, you know, in cases like this also be um, brought in um, should the, you know, uh, the, the, the necessity warrant it. And I think, you know, a port strike of this size, of this importance, especially an economy that's rebounding still from COVID, right, and the lockdowns and all the supply chain issues, yeah. I, I do think that that's something that should be looked at. Do you if think that now parties, federal government the, yeah. is is inevitable now, do you think, that the federal government, they said that they can't have this. The statement yeah. that they came out with says that this we've been patient, but this is it. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, that's also the interesting part. If, 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 if they feel this is a worse strategy in, in bargaining negotiation, if they feel they can't get what they get, one party or the other, in this case perhaps the union, feels it can't get what it wants at the bargaining table, um, it might be hoping and desiring that a third party comes in and maybe they think that they, they can get the deal they want. Alternatively, it's about uh, not creating this sort of uh, sense of every time there's a dispute, some, some action is taken because then that really does weaken the whole bargaining process and it degenerates to a place where no one really bargains in the end. There's always a labor dispute, whether it's a lockout or a strike. And then there's some kind of uh, delay and people uh, lose time, workers lose wages, um, products don't get to market. Um, so it's, it's a delicate game. You have to play yeah. it, I think, with the consent of the parties is always the best. In other words, tell them, look, the outcome could be a lot worse. We'll oppose a deal. Or how about sit down with an arbitrator or mediator and get this fixed and get workers back to work in the meantime. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Dr. Gomez, thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure.